three statements that Jesus made in chapter 12 as he is, um, he, he's approached by religious leaders. He's, a, he's, he's being questioned in some sorts and many uh, different areas, even inside chapter 12. And he makes some statements that is uh, pretty, pretty bold. But when you are the king of kings and you're the Lord of lords, and you have come down here into flesh, you can make some bold statements, and then you can back them up. Um, there's been many people crucified, by the way. Um, uh, so I know many people have been crucified. In fact, supposedly, uh, as you would walk out from one of the roads of Rome at that time, <coughs> uh, Jerusalem, uh, under Roman control, uh, it would be even uh, hundreds of yards or maybe up to a mile or so of people just crosses lined up because anyone who uh, spoke against the government, spoke against Rome, they were going to crucify you because they wanted to make a, a picture of that to you. And so uh, tons of people had been crucified. But our Lord and Savior says, no one takes my life from me. This temple, they were sitting in the temple, he says, this temple is going to be torn down from left to right. And he wasn't talking about the bricks of the temple that they thought. He was talking about his own body. He says, no one takes my life from me. I'll lay it down and I'll pick it up again. He promised us that he was going to raise three days later. He told him he was. He's going to raise three days later. I will tell you this. No one has ever, many people have been crucified, but no one's ever said they were going to die on a cross and then raise three days later. And if they did, they sure didn't do it. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died, spent time three days in the, in the uh, belly of the earth, as it says, and he rose. Our God, we, ser we, we serve an amazing Jesus. We serve an awesome God who came down here on earth. It, it, nobody wants to believe that because it takes, their, uh, it takes the whole idea of, <clears throat> of my saving myself away from me when I believe that someone else came to save me. Me being a red-blooded American, I have this, if I'm not careful, I have this pride that I can pull myself up with my own bootstraps. I can take care of myself. I can do this, I can do that. As you noticed just a few minutes, if you were watching, you had to watch me walk back to the back of the stage and to the choir rail and pick up these things here because I'll leave them everywhere. I have, I, I have like five pairs of these things, so they're all over everywhere because so I'll lose them and I'll just pick up another pair somewhere. Listen, I think I can take care of myself, but when Jesus Christ came down here on earth and died on a cross and rose three days later, that took the weight and it also took away from me the idea that I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, by my own works, I can do it. Jesus said he was greater than three things. Matthew chapter 12, starting verse 1, he says this, uh, At the time Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some of the grains, uh, heads of grain. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Lord, uh, look, your disciples are doing what is, uh, what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, haven't you read David that, that what David did when he and those who were with him were hungry? Notice that, let, let, let's talk about this for a second. Notice that uh, every time that he ever says this to the Pharisees or the, the scribes, you got to remember that these guys have memorized the whole Old Testament. Memorized it word for word. You've heard me say that before. Let us realize this. Word for word, if we had a good Jewish rabbi standing right here in front of us, he could quote you Genesis 1-1 all the way to Malachi chapter 3, verse whatever it is. Quote it. 
word for word. Okay? He could write most of it out in Hebrew, by the way, if you ever wanted to know that. Wouldn't help me any at all. I don't know Hebrew. I barely know the uh, policies of my insurance. I don't know what that says either. Uh, but could quote it. So when Jesus says, have you not read? He's sort of poking a little bit right there. He's sort of giving them a, a little stick into the ribs right there because they've not only read, they have actually memorized it. They could have quoted it. So Jesus is giving them a little poke in the ribs there. Verse 4, how, we, how he entered the house of God and he ate the sacred bread, which is not lawful for him or for those who were with him to eat, but only the priests. So have you not read that? Or have you, haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath days the priests and the temples violated the Sabbath and are innocent? But I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He was telling us that Jesus, he was telling us that himself was something greater than the temple. Jesus is greater than the temple. The temple was the center of religious life, of Israel's life back then. Do you remember, some of you may remember this, and I remember some of it, and I'm not talking down to the younger generation here, and actually the idea that I just said younger generation sort of scares me, but I'm in my midlife, I guess, 44. But do you remember when you would check the church's calendar when you were trying to find out something about vacation or about ball games or about this or about that? You checked the church's calendar, what was going on, so you had the bulletin there or whatever you had your announcements on, you would read that first. But it doesn't seem like nowadays everything else's schedules look first and then the churches. Well, for Israel, the temple was the center of their life. In fact, when Jesus was speaking this, Rome had taken over. And so the whole, uh, whole kingdom of Rome right now, the whole empire of Rome was there. And so basically Jerusalem was even the center of all religion at that time. All religion, the temple was the, Jerusalem was the center, then even then, the, 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 the temple of Solomon was even the center of that. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you one question at this moment? Is Jesus the center of our lives? Is Jesus the center of our lives? Because if he's not, then I'm in trouble. Because if he's not the center of my life, where, you know, just sort of like, um, you remember being on a trampoline. Uh, uh, I was, I was uh, pretty popular on a trampoline because I was the heavier of most of my crew. And uh, if I got in the middle and I started jumping, if you could catch it at just the right time, when I come back up off of it, it would send all the little bitty people way up in the sky. Okay, and some of them made some, you know, uh, famous statements like, with one small jump, uh, man, <laughs> one great leap for mankind. You know, they were using those type of statements because they were waving at the moon. But because I was in the center and I was, I had more mass than anybody else I hung around, when I was center, they would follow me. But then when I was released from that, when I was, then it was higher. Is Jesus the center of your life? Because if he's not, we're in trouble. Because they left to our own devices. 
We were studying today in Sunday school about Noah's flood, and it says that they continually done evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's why he judged the whole earth, not just that little Mesopotamian valley strip. The whole earth, he judged them. People don't want to believe in the flood. Why? Because that means that God can judge the whole earth. They don't want to have to know about a God who judges the whole earth because then they can't sin and feel okay about it. If Jesus is not the center of our lives, we're in trouble. Because if I'm left to my own devices, I will end up killing myself in a very painful way. The temple was where God met his people. The temple was where God was, had a chance to, to end behind this huge thick curtain. He was there uh, sitting on the throne of mercy, <clears throat> on the seat of mercy of the Ark of the Covenant. That's one time a year where the high priest would go in, and then he would then take what he had seen and what he had done by sprinkling blood over the sacrifice that had been given over the mercy seat. One time a year, just for a few minutes, one time a year. But when Jesus came down on earth, he says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, because before, recognize this quickly. Do you remember Moses and when he's on top of the mountain and God's going to give him the Ten Commandments? And he's up there in this mountain, and God says, you can't look on me. Start off. You, you know, our, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, just melt. You know, if you remember that movie, just melt. You can't look at me face to face in my divine glory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stuff you in the crack of this rock, in this cleft of this rock. It's going to be a, a crack in the rock, and you're going to get back in the back. And I can only imagine the cleft of this rock. It, it's not very reflective, I figure. It's probably rough, and so it wouldn't shine very much light. So he steps him way back in the, in the crack of that rock, and guess what? He says, I'm not going to, you're going to close your eyes and do not open them. I'm going to close, close your eyes, and then when I go by, you'll be able to look and see the backside of me. He gets in the cleft right, closes his eyes, he waits for God to tell him. He opens his eyes, and he sees the backside of God. So there's not a whole, even a lot of reflection going on. So a whole bunch of God's backside may not even really Called attention to him. Can you tell me what scripture said about Moses when he walked back down the mountain? I heard something. Anybody? He had been glowing. He was glowing. Stuffed in the back of a rock. Not a whole bunch of reflection. It wasn't like a mirror wall on one side. And he just caught the back side of God as he went past. And so it was, it was almost as if he really... He, he couldn't see a fool in the face face because if he had saw the face of God, he would have died right there because flesh cannot look upon the divine glory of an almighty God. But because of the temple, give us a small little bit. So when the, because the high priest was taking the hand of God and the hand of man when he'd done that, it was a small piece of knowing God. What the temple was all about, Jesus rose up. He said, you've seen God, you've seen me. I and the Father are one. And so now we can meet the Almighty God in a way that we could look upon Him, that we could see Him. Jesus was greater in the temple that we could actually see God. He was also <clears throat> greater. Uh, the temple was where all the sacrifices took place. Where all the sacrifices took place. You would go, whatever you had, a, very, a pure lamb, uh, doves, whatever you could afford, 
you laid that sacrifice down. They would cut the, the lamb from ear to ear and would bleed it out. Depending upon the sacrifice uh, of what you were doing, they would do different things. But the blood was get, was together and it was poured on the mercy seat for the sins of Israel one time a year. Can I tell you that the only sacrifice that mattered at one point in time in the book of uh, book of Amos, he's talking um, that no, excuse me, uh, uh, Genesis. He's talking about I've had it up to. He told Solomon Gomorrah, I've had it up to here. We are stinking sacrifices. Had it up to here. Can I tell you the only sacrifice that really matters was is that the Lamb of God, the God Man that's talking. He gave us one sacrifice once and for all because he was sinless and he took upon our sins and he died on the cross with it. He's greater than the temple because that's where all the sacrifices go. Well, the one and final sacrifice was given through Jesus. Thank you, Siri. If you want to see what she says later, you can uh, come listen to her. Uh, if you would turn to chap Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 38. We see the two other statements that, that Jesus made with context. Then some of the scribes, can anybody tell me what a scribe is? Because we didn't have printing presses way back then. A scribe would be the person who would actually write out different copies of the scripture. Okay, So basically the writers of the scripture at that point, okay, or at least the office max, copy area there and then we have the pharisees those are who uh, those were the religious leaders of the time made up of different um, uh, rabbis and things uh, scribes and pharisees said to them teacher we want to see a sign from you this one's tough okay listen to this one this is a good second answer or a good first answer to that right but he answered them an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And the man uh, of Nineveh will stand up uh, at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at Jonah's proclamation. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah, Jesus is greater than Jonah because they were looking for a sign instead of God. Can I tell you that if we're not careful here in America, we're, we, we have, we've, I think we've got a bum deal here because, and we brought it upon ourselves in a lot of ways. It's because many times we're looking for what God can give us versus looking for God. It's a song that the band and, and, and vocalists have sung many times. I'm looking for the healing, and I really don't care about the healer. I'm looking for the wealth. I'm looking for the giver of gifts, or I'm looking for the gifts and not really the giver of gifts. I'm looking for all the things that God can give me, but I'm not looking for him. We're promised over and over and over that if we seek him, we will find him. 
And if there's anything that we can say that could probably no greater truth or no more truth is, is this, is that we need him. This world hates him. This world doesn't want us to talk about him. This world doesn't want us to, to, to spread the good news because they don't want him. And to be honest with you, we have sold him very short in even how we live because we say that we want to know about God and we even show up to a building on Sunday morning and we do that. But the rest of the week, many times, I don't... I took care of that on Sunday. We're looking for a sign. We're, we're, we're constantly looking for a sign. How do I know for sure God's there? How do we know for sure God is there with me? How do we know for sure that God is, 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 is going to be there for me? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have to have a sign? Guys, be real careful with this answer, okay? Be real careful, because I'm trying to be real careful when I ask it. I need you to be real careful when you answer it. If your wife is sitting right beside you, do you need to have a sign that your wife is sitting right beside you? The answer to that question should not be, no, I hear her talking all the time. She never shuts up. That's not the answer you need to hear. My point is, is this, is that we don't have to have a sign that God's going to be there with us when we're in a relationship with him and we're walking with him daily. We don't have to have a sign. We don't have to have a sign when we're walking with the one that we're in a relationship in. We don't have to have a sign. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus, an evil and adulterous generation looks for a sign. Why? Because they're not living, they're not hanging out, they're not being obedient to the one who they're asking the sign for. Jesus says one greater than Jonah is here. The sign that Jesus was going to use was the resurrection. He didn't have to have any other signs. Even though he healed people, he, he, uh, he, he, he made the deaf hear, he made the, the, the mute speak, he, he done all these many different things which should have been signs that there's something going on with this guy. And, and it even <clears throat> it backfired on the religious leaders, not Jesus, because he done what he was supposed to do. And you can't. That God's not going to backfire on himself. And so what happens is it backfired on them because they even started saying, well, oh, the reason why he's able to do those things is because Satan's his dad. Beelzebub, the devil's his dad. That's why he's able to cast out these demons. Hmm, that's pretty, that makes really good sense, right? Jesus, the sign that he was going to use, just like Jonah being in the, the uh, fish for three days, he was going to be in the belly of the earth for three days. And he was going to raise again. That was the sign he was going to use. That was the sign he was going to use. He didn't need any other sign. Jesus is greater than Jonah because people were going to repent from their sins. Nineveh repented from their sins. And notice that, by the way, Jonah hated Nineveh. Later on, you'll find out that the people that's probably speaking probably hated Nineveh as well because Jonah hated them, and they knew what Jonah, I mean, uh, Nineveh had done. And more than likely, these people, the Ninevites, they probably would have said, yeah, 
we would have hated them too. We would have went the other way just like Jonah did. Notice that Jesus says that Nineveh is going to rise up. He's going to judge you. The people they hated. See, there's someone greater than the temple. There's someone greater than Jonah. We'll start back in chapter 12, verse um, uh, 43. <coughs> Excuse me, 42. <coughs> the queen of the south, Queen Sheba, will rise up at the judgment of this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and look, something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is greater than Solomon. Jesus' wisdom was not imparted to him. We know the member of the story of Solomon, that Solomon, God came to Solomon and says, listen, I'll just give you whatever you want. You just let me know. And Solomon, being the son of David, knew about God and knew, uh, had some uh, training to, to, to follow after God, and he asked for wisdom. And then what did God do? He says, well, you pick wisdom. I'm going to give you the rest of it as well. And then that's why we get to study Ecclesiastes uh, with Brother, Brother Casey because Solomon had took his wisdom and he used it. After doing all the kind of different living that he did, found out that it was all vanity, but he took that wisdom, but it was imparted to him. Jesus' wisdom was not imparted to him. It is his very nature. It is who he is. He is wise. He wasn't born wise. He wasn't created wise because Jesus is the Almighty God that's never been born and never been created. God's always been God forever back and will be God forever forward. Boom, infinite mind blown. But he is his very nature wise. Someone here is greater than Solomon. Solomon was glorious in the eyes of the known world. But Jesus' glory will be known throughout the entire universe. The whole universe. Notice the word even. Uni, meaning one verse, meaning statement. With one statement, he created the entire universe. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's someone here greater than Jonah and greater than Solomon. See, Jesus is greater than our religion because that's where we go to the temple for to, so we can offer things to God. Greater, God. Jesus is greater than our religion because our religion, if not careful, right here, guilty as charged, I got the T-shirt, okay? Guilty as charged, my religion many times is just a checkbox. I read my scripture today, check. I pray today, check. I love that guy at work that nobody really else wants to love. Check, 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 check. It's just a checkbox. Jesus is greater than your religion. Jesus is greater than your works. Isaiah tells us that our works, our righteousness, is like filthy rags. I know you're fixing to eat in a few minutes, but let's just talk about that for just one second. A Band-Aid, you got a cut or an injury, a Band-Aid, and you have left it on for a while, and you're picking the shower, take it off, and yeah. Ugh. He tells us that our righteousness, the very best day we've had, I've had four little old ladies cross the street, I've given to the church, I've done this, I've done that. He says that my righteousness is like that used Band-Aid. Jesus is greater than our works. 
And Jesus is greater than your wisdom. Can I tell you that you can't think up a way to get to God that's going to be sufficient enough? You can't think up of all the good things you could do to get to God. You can't think up and can't be wise enough to fool God and, hey, you know, while everybody else is going into heaven, I'll slip in beside them. My friend, that will not happen. If you're using your wisdom and trying to figure a way to get to heaven, I'm going to tell you, unless you meet Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you're going to bust hell wide open because Jesus is greater than our wisdom. And my, my, my thing is this, is many times I make God laugh quite often because I show him my plans for the day. I think I got it all figured out. All right, God, this is, this is my plan. You look at it. Look at it, my plan right here. I got it figured out. Plan right there. And I figure, I don't know, but I figure God goes, <laughs> yeah. That's real funny. The first 10 million times you've done it. Can I tell you that Jesus is greater than your wisdom? Can I tell you on that very point, we all ought to just stand up, start shouting, glory, hallelujah. Because if it was on my wisdom, if it was my wisdom, how much trouble would I be in? How much trouble would I be in? Another great part about Jesus is, is that Jesus is greater than your fear. Jesus is greater than the sin that has you trapped. Jesus is greater than the place where you think you're stuck. Jesus is greater than the fear that keeps you from doing the things he's called you to do. Jesus is greater than the things that keep you from following him completely. Jesus is greater than all those things. And so if whatever God's calling you to do today, which I think many times he calls us, in fact, I think in a setting like this, he calls us every time to do something, but many times we walk right by it because we're either afraid or we're just being disobedient. But God's greater than those things. Here in just a second, we're, music's going to come up. We're going to have a time of, of, of an uh, altar call. And we're going to um, we're gonna meet up here. If you want to come and meet up here and meet with God and do business with Him, you can do that. But He's calling every one of us to be obedient. He's calling every one of us to fall back into His arms and trust Him. Because if we don't do that, we're so in trouble. If we don't do that, we're in so much trouble because without him, we're nothing and we're doomed. And so he's calling every one of us this very day, this very minute, this very hour, he's calling us to be obedient to him and he's calling us to trust him. And if we don't do that, we're so in trouble. So in a few seconds when I'm going to pray and the musician's going to, begin to play you'll have a chance to come here if you want to sit at your seat uh, or stand at your seat you can do that and pray that's fine but do business with god be obedient and trust him dear god thank you so much for this morning that we get to come out and hear your word god thank you lord as i studied your word that i was as convicted as anyone else because there's times that i have my own plans there's times when i try to make my own sacrifices there's times when i think that my way or is going to be better than your way and god i pray to you right now that you forgive me that you forgive me for uh, thinking that i got it figured out but god i pray lord that i would be obedient to you and say to you that i need you i trust you 
God, let me be obedient to you. You're such an amazing God. We love you and we thank you. I pray, Lord, as people come or as people stay, they do business with you at this very moment. In your name we pray. Amen.